here's today's purple elephant thought, which are just shower thoughts I rip off from Reddit. The fact that the most popular kind of nut isn't technically a nut at all is kind of a statement about our society as a whole. The peanut is a legume, so maybe we're all a little nuts. This is Purple Elephant Radio, where we hear about storytelling, originality, and creativity from the creators who are actually making something matter. I'm your host, Sean Green. So this is the first episode of Purple Elephant Radio, and I'm joined by a really cool guest. Uh, He is the creator of Like a Fox Studios, which is a popular YouTube channel that makes sketch comedy videos. He's had some of his work in some film festivals uh, at Mizzou and just in Columbia, Missouri, specifically Como Shorts and the Visual Arts and Design Showcase run by Mizzou. Uh, he is a digital storytelling major and a film production major, and he is very much so into the comedy scene at Mizzou. Improv and sketch comedy are his two things that he really likes to do, and I'm talking about none other than Michael Barry. How's it going, Michael? Hey! <laughs> What's uh, up? I'm... Doing good. I'm excited that you're the the first guest. Uh, it was kind of a spur of the moment. I've been wanting to do a podcast for a little bit, mm-hmm. and I just kept putting it off. But I'm glad I could get you on as the first uh, person on this. And I'm yeah, I'm just really excited to pick your brain about stuff, especially when it comes to YouTube and just making videos. Because I feel like you have been doing it out of like all my friends. You've been doing it the longest you kind of have the biggest following and just your quality videos are something that, you know, I strive to emulate. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'll just open it up. We'll stay on YouTube to start. Okay. So with your channel, I was kind of running through it before this and it looked like your first video was it made in 2015, 2014? Do you remember when you first started making that channel? Um, actually, uh, Like a Fox Studios is a bit older than YouTube would suggest. Um, when I had a video blow up first, I decided to private a lot of the old stuff because it wasn't any good. Um, but I actually started probably in around 2011. Um, that's when I came up with the name Like a Fox, and that's when I was posting stuff on the channel. And it was a lot of very like you know, when you first make videos and it's like, you're playing yourself and your, your sisters and half of them. Um, but it was, it was that kind of stuff. It was very like shit posty, but it was also like the influence was still there. It was, it was still pretty much like comedy skits, all of it. Um, not really sketches more like more kind of random than that. And then in 2018, um, I had, well, okay. I'm going out of order. Um, I was doing that for a while and then I started working on some other stuff in 2013 that took forever. Um, and then at 2015, I had just finished a huge project that was called dead meat. And I decided to kind of, um, that that was an entrance into a new age for the channel. And I was going to get rid of everything before dead meat and just start like, that was the new birth of the channel. Um, so all that stuff is still there, save for a few things that i just was like oh, it's not very good and i've hid since yeah because uh one of the things that i saw was dead meat and i had never watched it before uh but it seemed like out of all your current videos or all the videos that are still up there obviously it was the most ambitious i mean it's 12 or 13 episodes yeah yeah it's um dead meat is originally a movie but it's exists on youtube as a miniseries um and it's two hours, like it's two hours and 10 minutes altogether. Um, and it took like two and a half years. I was doing that probably from 2013 to 2015. Um, and it was awful. I don't, it, I, if you're in high school and you want to make a film, I encourage you to not, um, and to instead make a bunch of little films and you'll learn more. Um, but if you make a big one, you'll learn some lessons from that, I guess, which I learned. Um, 
which are mostly just about planning. Uh, <laughs> that's mostly what I took away from those years. But but then I ended up with this great big film. That's it's very boring. It's not. I don't advise anyone watch it. Um, but I keep it up because it's like it's a good like starter for the channel. You know, like you go far enough back and you find his mini series. That's that's kind of a, a cool look, I think. Mm-hmm. And I noticed, uh, isn't that one of your perks on your Patreon? Where like I don't know what you offer, but something about uh, dead meat as being yeah. Um, one of my uh, one of my ideas I've tossed around on Patreon before is that if people want to see it, I'll make a dead meat retrospective, um, which is I would do like an hour long in depth explanation of like just what happened in those two years, all the stuff that like where like I would write my friend's girlfriend into the script and then they'd break up, so I'd have to rewrite it. And just like all the all the crazy stuff, all the like, oh, this scene, they're they're talk they they seem really scared, and that's because they're supposed to be a bunch of uh, dead meat. a zombie movie. Uh, there's supposed to be a bunch of zombies outside, but then you know when we filmed, say there was like only ten people showed up, so it's like okay, well, here's what we how we had to make it work. So it's like, I think that'd be fun because it could fill in a lot of the gaps for when people watch the movie and they're like, oh, that was underwhelming, and it's like yeah, but you know here's here's the behind the scenes story it's so much more interesting yeah yeah like just kind of the making of can always be more entertaining than the movie itself it seems like uh well Well, also i think something i learned from that whole experience um is something that i've really kept to heart since is that if you get too hung up in one project you forget to make it like funny like you can forget why you're making it and that's the big problem with dead meat if you ever if anyone ever watches it which I don't advise uh the third act is like jokeless like it just becomes a movie and it's a boring one it's it's very by the numbers um and it's like if I could go back and be like oh like make jokes what if you're making a comedy like do that um so that's something I've like you can kind of see that influence then in everything since then is like so strictly a comedy like I it's so clearly like a skit everything since then yeah, that's one of the things that I was uh, going to bring up was that it's like looking back at all your work, that clearly is the only thing that was more serious toned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I didn't watch the whole thing. I was watching bits and pieces of it. And I definitely get what you were saying where, you know, the first couple episodes, it's intentionally there's those bits of jokes and just kind of the natural humor but as it went on, it was like, okay, this is a serious zombie movie. And obviously, since you were still new to the video, it maybe didn't have those high stakes that a blockbuster would have. Um, but yeah, so your your newer stuff, since everything past that, has been relatively short form. Mm-hmm. But it seems like, especially now... Uh, maybe only six months or, or so ago, it's gone from four to five minute videos to one minute to two minute videos. What was the thinking behind that change? Yeah, a lot of that has to do um, with COVID. Um, basically, um, so I've been doing skits now. If you count since 2015, then I guess it's for five years. Um, but they've been coming out consistently on the channel, like since 2016, um, at least a few a year. Um, and originally I always thought that like the perfect length for a comedy skit was like seven minutes. Um, I've since kind of grown past that. That was my, that was my, I thought ideal length. Cause you know, you could just squeeze every joke out of something. Um, I since kind of uh, evolved that and a lot in 2019, I moved toward like, five and four minutes, um, which is sort of more common in like the sketch comedy world. That's what you would see on something like SNL. Everything is going to hover around four minutes. Um, so that's sort of where I like ended up keeping things. Um, but then uh, at some point in 2019, I had a video called guys who like basic things and it was one minute. Um, and it did very well on Reddit. Um, which I guess, <laughs> I guess you could say that's, the influence is feedback. Um, that video did super well on Reddit. And I was like, oh, sweet. That took like no time to film. It was pretty easy. Like the this, this script takes less work because you just have to get to the point. 
and like execute a joke rather than like develop uh, the same amount of like, oh, we're trying to create like a, a memorable character. Instead, you can kind of just like create one joke and just focus on that. So that's what we tried to do. And it, it ended up being super successful. It got like 60,000 views, which at the time was super crazy for me. It's still a really good um, amount of views just for anyone. So that was um, super awesome. And then when 2019 happened, um, or sorry, when 2020 happened, and then the pandemic was starting, I realized that we could lean back into that sort of um, one minute video style, which I had been playing with uh, in the beginning of 2020 before all the COVID stuff. But I was like, okay, let's, um, like, let's, let's try this. Let's really try to make the kind of videos that I see doing well and like to watch. There's a lot of um, video influences out there. Um, like, you know, like your, your, your Gus Johnson types, he's incredibly popular on Reddit. Um, there's others that are escaping me, but just that kind of um, sketch comedy that is in one minute or shorter, sometimes it's in 20 seconds. Uh, and I've been trying to kind of lean into that um, just as something different to do. I think the videos that I put the most work into actually don't do super well. So I try to create a balance of like, okay, well, here's a video that I will sink a lot of hours into and uh, a lot of money into like making it look nice. And then here's a video that I think could take off um, on like a YouTube haiku subreddit or something and just kind of do well in that sense while also that sort of supports the growth of the channel while the other one sort of supports my like artistic um, needs. But then they both are a challenge because it's like, okay, let's tell a joke in 20 seconds. That's not always easy. Okay, let's create like a world and complex characters and make a full sketch. That's not easy either. So it's been a, it's been a balance, but it's also been fun because I've been making more stuff um, than I ever have. I've made like 19 videos or something this year, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, and so have you been using other mediums besides just YouTube? Like, have you been experimenting with TikTok and that form for those shorter pieces of content? Um, I have. I've had I had mixed luck with TikTok. Um, I started making a TikTok where I would just post video snippets, um, and they did okay. They did a couple thousand views, which is pretty normal for TikTok. It's a lot easier to get views on TikTok, so you kind of have to rationalize in your mind that they don't mean the same thing if you got a million views on youtube that's gonna like boost your channel quite a bit but a million views on tiktok is just kind of a cool thing that can happen um it doesn't make you famous it doesn't really like it, it, it's not going to change your life um it's just a very cool thing to happen yeah. um so i made it i made a tiktok and i actually um posted one of my videos on there and it got removed so i tried to um censor it and fix the part of it that I thought was causing problems. And I posted two more times, and this was against the advice of some smarter people. And my TikTok got taken off, like they, they got rid of my account. And I was very bummed about it. Um, but I guess it's a good thing because I remade my TikTok um, where I would just post clips. It's like a Fox uh, underscore studios mm, because the first one was just normal like a Fox studios and it's gone now. Um, and it actually, I've had a lot of success on it. Um, a few of my videos, um, I have a video where I'm like, I edit myself in with a reporter who's interviewing Trump and it's super short. Um, and that video on uh, YouTube has like, I think 10,000 views, which is pretty cool. I'll silence that. <laughs> it has like 10,000 views, which is pretty cool. But on uh, TikTok, it has like a million views, which is insane to me. Um, but it also doesn't like, it doesn't translate to anything on YouTube, uh, which is where I really like to be. So I kind of have to keep that in mind that it's like, it's kind of just a cool thing and it's like a nice, it feels good to like, you know, do that, but it's not, um, it's not like, you know, it's not like life changing. Yeah. Well, it's fun, yeah. I mean, especially comparing TikTok to YouTube because the way TikTok works, and I mean, I don't use it often, but the fact that it'll just give you random videos and it's less about, okay, I subscribe to these people, so I'm gonna see their content or content very similar. It's everyone's making this type of video and we're gonna put it, um, put those genres of video and give them to you, even if they're made by strangers, people with 
who no one knows about. Yeah, the TikTok algorithm is really great. It's a really great algorithm. I wish YouTube was more like it because on YouTube, anyone who sees my videos is subscribed or has seen a link I've shared. I have almost no, like, uh, just my video pops in people's recommendeds because YouTube's recommended is so safe um, that, like, if I'm watching, uh, let's say I'm watching a video by Smosh, uh, the the tab of, of what to watch next is either going to be all Smosh or all videos I've already watched. It's very rarely going to be like, oh, here's something similar, and I'm not going to learn something from that. But TikTok, you just keep scrolling. Another thing about TikTok is that it's so short form and it's so scrolly, and this is very like uh, this is a very young people thing. If someone doesn't like something, they just move on. There's no dislike feature on TikTok, um, but there's also just kind of like. I think that's a very Gen Z mindset is that if someone like sees a video and they're like, Oh, um, like that wasn't for me. They, they just leave. They don't yeah, do it. You don't hold the it. grudge and yeah, you don't like write uh, hateful comments. The two places I've advertised my videos most is Reddit and TikTok, And they're the opposite audiences because Reddit is like 25 to 30 and they will see your video and they will have to leave a comment. Even if they like it, they have to be like, that was good. I'm, pleasantly surprised like they, they can't not uh like it's so interactive for them and then tiktok people will you know watch and they'll just scroll they'll just keep going and you can get a million views and so few comments um and you're just like okay i guess i have nothing to learn about that mm-hmm. so it's yeah. super it's, it's 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 like a clashing of the generations yeah I, I think each social media has its own like form of take this thing with a grain of salt like take the amount of views you get on tiktok with a grain of salt uh, but there's always going to be those certain numbers that are like this is meaningful this has been earned uh there, there's like a level of like i think people understanding the noise to it too that on tiktok there is a constant noise and it it, it is self-justifying you don't need to have a reason to make a TikTok. There are so many TikToks that aren't, there's no joke. There's no point. It's just people like, oh, this is me. I'm uh, walking and I'm smiling. And it's like, those get views too. So like, it's like, it all justifies itself. You put something on Reddit and the people watching it are going to be like, why did you make me watch this? Like, what was the point? Uh, why Why did I spend, why did I have to spend 25 seconds watching this? And it's like, it's 25 seconds. Like, what do you want? You're on the internet. This is what you're here for. But it is, it's a very interesting thing where like, I think um, Gen Z people have grown up with so much just content. Like we, we were born into, you know, big time YouTube um, that it's just like, oh yeah, that's the internet. Everyone is trying to get attention on there. It's not weird. And then older people are kind of like, ah, oh, he's what are you trying to do? Are you trying to be famous or something? And it's like, no, I'm just trying to do something fun. Mm. <laughs> Chill. Yeah. When there is so much content though, what do you think is the way to kind of stand out in your personal opinion? Cause I do agree that TikTok is so many videos that are just remixes of other videos that have like the slightest change, but otherwise they're so similar. But I do feel like your content is very unique. Even on YouTube, I don't see a lot of those high quality short sketches that aren't like a person playing themselves. I've seen a lot of sketch channels where they don't try in the camera work and it's still funny, but you kind of mix the amount of professional like industry quality with that style of comedy that's like quick uh, and short, fast paced. Um, yeah, I think standing out is, is always going to be hard. Like I said, there's kind of become the two genres of video that I make, which is like the, the skits, which are shorter and they're more meant to be shareable. And then the longer, like full sketches. Um, and I think the big difference between those is that, um, this, a lot of like the pop, what is popular right now is, um, at least that I've seen in the world of like skits is, um, it's a type of like, um, I don't want to call it low effort because it's not, but it's like where the style is to do something in a very homemade way. 
um, where if I could stand in front of a green screen and behind me is the Sistine Chapel and I'm in a full Pope outfit, um, that, you know, and I'm, and I'm saying my Pope lines, the, the style right now is to just put a piece of paper on yourself that says like Pope, you know, that is the very, like the very, like TikTok. It's very Gus Johnson. It's very, all of that. Like it's, it's, it's very Reddit in a way. Um, it's like, it's, I think that comes from Vine when people were making like those and they were doing them so fast and there was no point in like putting on an outfit. Um, but that stayed and that stayed into like, you know, six minutes skits now. Um, and I think I've always appreciated that, but I've always decided that I don't have to do that. Um, that that's, that can be like the current style that I sort of don't do. Um, so I have always tried to go, you know, like, how can I get a cool costume out of this? How can I have, I personally have a lot of fun, like making props and putting together costumes and just like kind of, um, doing that sort of like very crafty, very like, like stagecraft kind of stuff. Um, so I try to like mix that into whatever I make. So if it's, I try to think whenever I make a video, what is, what in this video could be low effort and what am I going to pour effort into? Um, my most recent video um, is a bit where it's like a, there's a, a, a part where there's like a cacophony of me where it's like 60 of me in a grid um, all saying the same line in a, in a row. And I went, you know, I knew I could do that by just copying a video of me 60 times. But instead, I decided to put on every shirt that I owned um, and just try to get as many different versions of me. And like, I tried to like sneak in funny versions where I was like in a costume or like where I was in an outfit from another video. Um, and I'm like, I don't know if anyone cares about that. But to me, it's like, well, this joke is pretty funny, but this is the bit that makes it like, this is what I would like about it the most if I was watching it so I think that's in the in the realm of skits what I try to do the most different and try to be unique is that I just try to pour in a little more effort than maybe makes sense um just sort of to elevate it to that status and like kind of give it that just hint of like a little bit more um a little bit more than just like oh two buddies like picked up their webcam and did a bit it's like no there's there's a little more planning into this um, in the world of sketches, I actually try to play it pretty close to what I think is the standard of like, um, like a key and peel or like, uh, I think you should leave, or, um, there's some really great YouTube channels that are doing awesome sketch stuff right now. One of them is called Chris and Jack. Um, they're, they're really funny guys. Um, and they do like super high quality well-written, well-acted sketches, but their production value like looks great. Like it looks cinematic. And that's kind of what I'm trying to achieve is this very like television look of like, this looks good, but it's like, if we're doing a sketch and the, the sketch is like, oh, it's a superhero. Let's make this look like a superhero movie. Like let's, let's commit fully to that. Let's not put a piece of paper on somebody. Um, and I think that is at least what I try to do to be unique is just to pour in a level of effort that is like fun and impressive and like world building and yeah yeah i mean when you talk about trying to make it as industry level quality as possible i think you have achieved that however i think there has to be like a hurdle that gets overcome just like you said it yourself you took down some of your old videos because you felt they weren't to a certain level of quality uh, I guess my question is, when you kind of go to that hurdle of like, I want to make this as real as possible, there really is no middle ground. It's on the one end, you have the TikTok people who will write Pope on a piece of paper and stick it to themselves, or you have the person who's going to dress up like a Pope, fully commit to the lighting, fully commit to the green screen. And if you're somewhere in the middle, like that uncanny valley which I know is more for VR, but I think it applies in this sense. Did you feel like there was a time where you were like somewhere stuck in the middle where you were still trying to figure out how to get that industry uh, cinematic quality that you have now? Yeah, I've, I've definitely had videos in the past um, where the I, I asked I've asked the audience to buy more than I think uh, is reasonable. Um, there was a 
video we filmed about a year ago, actually, um, that was called Bloody Mary. Um, and it was a sketch that a good friend of mine named Jonah wrote. And it's really funny sketch. Um, and we performed it on stage um, at a sketch comedy show that we did one time. Uh, super funny, really enjoyed it. Um, and I was like, I needed to make a video for class. So I was like, okay, let's make Bloody Mary. And I think I rushed it or I think a lot of the elements just weren't opportune. We were stuck in this bathroom to film because that's kind of, you know, where you do the, the Bloody Mary ritual. Um, I've, I guess I've said it three times now, so I guess you're going to show up. But um, either way, uh, the um, we just kind of stuck it in this bathroom and it was we it was super helpful, everyone who, who helped with us. Um, the actors were great for being there on time, but it just all of it didn't really click for me. Um, the sketch, like as a stage production is supposed to be like two children and like a dad. And I think we just ran into the trouble of like, you can't get some 20 year olds to like, you can't just, at least in a video that's supposed to look nice, you can't have two 20 year olds say, oh, we're 10. And then another 20 year old come in and say, son, it just like you, you're making the audience buy too much. And it's like you are entering that area where it's like, well, at this point, like, you know, like the thing in Vines they would do where they would just like put a towel over someone's head and that was the mom. It's like, at this point, just do that. Cause it's like you, that doesn't look like his dad. And the fact that you've committed to camera angles is like, you know, at this point, like let's bring in a man in a wig and be mom. Like, because that's where we're at. Like, it's not believable. And that I think is when, whenever I have a video that I don't want to post or that I want to take down, it usually just comes down to that where it's like, okay, yeah, this, this wasn't believable. This guy doesn't look like a big shot executive or a dad or whatever. And it just doesn't really, it like breaks immersion in a way that I think is actually pretty key to the comedy that I'm doing. So that's sort of, um, that's sort of the middle ground that I, I kind of try to veer away from. I try to veer away Sometimes actually it works really well. I have a great video called Cody and the Genie that has an awesome performance by a good friend of both of ours named Nathan Gregg. And he's hilarious in it. Um, and he plays a kid. And, it, and that's like one of the, the few times where I've gotten a 20 year old to play like a 10 year old. And as far as I'm concerned, it, it is a great performance. But also I think I do a lot of stuff in that video stylistically that primes you to like sort of accept that this is like a, a bit of like an after school special kind of vibe. Um, which I don't think would be super achievable if I did that like fully in a cinematic way. I think you really, you really just have to get a full grasp of like what the audience can believe. And I think, um, I, I think that's a, a line that I've walked before of like, yeah, let's, let's make sure that we're sort of maybe not realistic, but like in the realm of like, you can accept this uh, when you're watching it rather than like you're torn straight out of it right away of like, oh, why not just make a vine at this point? If you're gonna, if you're gonna cast a 20 year old as like a baby, like just, you know, go full silly at this point. I think your path of growing a, a YouTube channel that, I mean, you really care about, you really put a lot of effort into it. And my question for you, and this is as open-ended as you wanna take it, but this idea of the industry, the film industry, whether you interpret that as uh, Hollywood or a lot of the, the newer things, and that can even include like media companies uh, just making their own content on YouTube. In your mind, in your ideal world, are you ever wanting to go to one of those places? Or if everything worked out, would you continue to expand the channel and make that your career? Because I think it's possible. Yeah, I think it would be fun to be in like a writer's room scenario for just any any series or any work that is just mostly comedy. Um, but I also like working with stuff like characters. Um, anything animated, I think would actually be really fun too, because then you don't even have to worry about those constraints of like, what can we do? Um, I've uh, I've always wanted to try animation. I've I've given it some some tests uh before and it's not actually that hard it's a lot less hard than i thought it'd be um but it's a lot like you have to just a lot of drawing um so yeah i mean i think any of those things i 
am fully surrendered to the fact that at some point I'm going to move, uh, do a big move uh, I, to one of the big places, whether it be Atlanta or LA. Um, and uh, that's horrifying. I mean, I think everyone should be scared of that because it is a scary thing. And a lot of people go and come right back. Uh, it doesn't work out for everyone. I do not expect it to work out for me. Um, just because you got to prepare yourself to fail um, just in case. But I also think that it's something I need to do at some point. Um, so yeah, I think, I think those are the sort of, my idea has always been that if I can have this, have fun with an online audience and then create enough stuff that if I show to someone, they go, Oh yeah, no, that's, this is great. You clue you, you are in better shape than some people and it will not take hard. It will not take as much work to get you where you need to be, to be on our team. I've always thought that's the ideal is to be, you know, and I don't, I don't expect people to see my channel and be like, Oh, he's, he's perfect. Let's get him in here. But I want people to see the channel and go, okay, this guy, uh, he's, he might be onto something. Let's get him in here and see if he can work with us because I, you know, that's, I think where it's all going. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm totally on that same, uh, side and same page with the idea that the work you do that's not assigned in class stands out and puts you ahead of the crowd in a way that no, whatever film school or, you know, for any, for any career, it's the school is no longer becoming the thing. The, the resume by itself is no longer becoming the thing. It's how you're able to do certain projects when no one's pushing you no one's asking you to do it you're not doing it for a grade i think that really does put you ahead of the the crowd if you've made it this far in the video i'm proud of you i'm gonna reward you with another shower thought the first person to hear a parrot talk probably thought they were insane so yeah enjoy the second half of the podcast so we've talked about just your channel as a whole, like kind of the origins of it. But now I want to get into a little bit more of the near future. And I think this is the most useful part of the the conversation because I feel like you are a rising creator. Um, you're at that uh, a, a little over 6,000 subscribers. I, I'd have to recheck the numbers, but I feel like you're on that uh, tipping point where uh, an exponential growth is right around the corner. So I think one of the things I want to hear from you about is how you, because I know you spend a lot of money on some of your ambitious projects, specifically your last sketch. I mean, that was incredible. I mean, I, I'll link the the note to it, but there were a lot of special effects. Uh so I guess I want to hear from you if you use Patreon uh, and just any other sources. I mean, I know you don't have any merch as far as I know, but have you considered any of that stuff? Just anything related to earning money using your channel without kind of taking away from your subscribers and breaking their trust, but it's earned. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've reached the threshold on YouTube where I can make money, but I've, I've never really made any. Um, I think I might've made like a hundred bucks altogether, um, which is crazy. Cool. But um, that's not really something I use or think about. Um, so outside of that specifically, um, Patreon has been very kind to me. Um, Patreon is, is fun. Um, there's really two ways to get people on Patreon. And one is I think to just kind of have a personal element if you are impressing your subscribers and they like you, they, it's really helpful. If they can see your face. They they'll form that connection with you and they'll go like, Oh yeah, that's, that's someone, you know, if you go on Patreon and you look at the Patreon for a channel that is just comedy skits with a different cast every time, it's not really going to be a lot, but if you go to something like, um, you know, like a, like a video essayist who clearly like it has a personal element into all their videos their Patreon is doing very well. So I've tried to kind of uh, do that in the content itself where what I will put on Patreon, 
and I don't put nearly enough on, which is a mistake on my part, but um, the content I put on, I try to make really fun and really funny and very different. Um, and to kind of give that feeling of people being like on set, hanging out with us. Like, I think we have a lot of fun when we shoot videos. So I think that can help. And then you kind of create that feeling of like, oh yeah, this is what it's like to, to be on set. It's a fun time. It is a hangout. Um, and, and what are your perks uh, just quickly? So people have um, an idea. Originally, I had a lot of different perks, but basically uh, the two big ones are that you get your name in the credits, which isn't much, but some people really appreciate it. Uh, and then um, there's behind the scenes videos that you can see on the, on the Patreon. And I had a tier limit for those for a while, but I actually just dropped it all down to one. So if you donate even $1, uh, you can see all the behind the scenes stuff we, we make. You can see all our like lost videos that never get posted. There's access to uh, an old cache of old videos that have been hidden. It's a lot of fun stuff, um, but it's also, it's just really for people who want to support. Like, I, I don't want people to be like, oh, I'm getting my money's worth. I want people to be like, yeah, I, I'll give them a dollar anyway. I like this channel. Um, and that, that dollar adds up. Um, I don't make a whole lot from Patreon. I make about $40 a month. Um, but that does add up, um, especially when I'm making a sketch that costs money, you know, every month or two, that money helps. This is kind of a curveball question, but can creativity be taught or is it something you're kind of born with? So this kind of desire for you to make videos and make funny stuff to make people laugh, was it nature or nurture? That's a tough one. Um, I don't know. I think there's a nurture element. I think a lot of people who are really funny have funny parents. I think that's, you're so lucky if your parents are funny. Um, and I think we all think our parents are kind of funny. Um, but um, I don't know. I, I think, I think there is a, I, I think it can be taught. I think it's, a, I think it's always taught. I think, um, a lot of my sense of humor develops from the guys I hung out with in high school. I had a really tight knit group of friends and some of them I, I'm still really, in fact, all of them I'm still really close with. Um, but one of them is that guy I was talking about earlier, Jonah. And he was a huge comedic influence on me and on my writing. Um, I like to think that my sketch writing influenced his and his influenced mine. And it kind of wove into like a double helix kind of thing. Um, and that was, you know, working with him he's still like, you know, I, I texted him, you know, earlier today and was like, here's an idea. Is it funny? And, and he responded and asked me if an idea of his is funny. And we've been doing that, you know, for years now. And I think having people like that really uh, surrounding yourself with people that you're impressed by, like you become that in a, in a sense. Um, and I think I've always just really enjoyed creativity and like kind of that mindset for as long as I can remember like the idea of just like putting on a show uh, of, of making a movie is such like a fun uh, idea for me it's like playing pretend and I've, I've thought that since I was super young I remember making a, a like a, a home movie um, with my cousin when I was like 10 and it's delightful and it's so it's stupid and bad but that was such a formative moment for me because I was like oh we're making a movie this is so fun I get to act I get to memorize a line um, and not even just like the stardom part of it, but just like, oh, like let's, now I hold the camera. Um, and I've always thought that was fun. And I, so I think I've had that creativity for a while, but I also think you, you like, it's a seed and you, you, you know, you water it and you care for it and you foster it and it turns into something. And, you know, I don't think any of us are fully cooked people at any given point of our lives. So I think you're always growing and you're always changing. And I think creativity is just another, you know, it's another part of that. It's another leaf on your sapling where you, it's, it's always there and it's always growing. And some people I think are a little less creative than others. I think we need those people. I think there's a type of person who they don't, they don't want to be part of it. They want to watch. And I, I, you know, we, we got to love those people because they're, they're here to watch and we want, we're begging people to watch. Um, and I, but I think those people are creative too, and in, in their own way, you got to listen to them. You got to listen to what they want because that's, you know, that demand has just as much creativity in it as, you know, the supply. 
so yeah, I don't know. I think it's I think it's something that we all learn. I think it's something that we we pick up from other people who are always picking it up from somewhere else too. But I also think it's something that we can develop. It's uh it's it's just another one of our tools, you know. Yeah, I, I like that idea of like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with with Jonah kind of influencing your comedic style. I think that's definitely true. But just on your comedic style, a lot of your videos have this, I don't even know how to describe it, a similar theme. And I don't know if you pick up on this consciously when you're writing, but it almost seems like you're, like just one of the videos that sparked or comes to mind is uh, like a Star Wars video. And it's kind of making fun of the villain in a very subtle way. Like they're kind of this big menacing person and then there's kind of just this awkward little thing about them that gets made fun of. With that style of video, do you, does that come from somewhere in your personal life? Or is it just one of those unconscious things of like, this is funny to me? That's interesting. I think, I think that is, I think it's a little unconscious, but I also think, you know, um, this is a funny, just like fact about the guys I hung out with in high school. Um, I hung out with a lot of guys in high school and, and I think something that we all fell into, and I did this too. I, we all sort of would develop a bit of a character when we were around each other. And I think a lot of people do this, uh, maybe without even noticing it, but we would fall into it. We would recognize our role. Um, one of our friends, we always, you know, he, he's the guy who would get mad, but no one's following the rules. Um, I'm the guy who would be like, you know, I was always the guy who would, um, I would, I'd be like, ah, I would, I was the whiny guy of the group and I'll accept that. Um, you know, I, there was a friend who would never back down. He would always do the thing. And it's not that this friend didn't have the self-awareness to know when to back down. He knew that we liked when he didn't back down. And so he would take a stance and I thought I, it's, it feels performative and it almost feels kind of weird to think about it that way, but it was really like, we all kind of fell in line with these roles. And I think a lot of that has influenced my comedy and my writing where let's take a video. I have a video called the prank and uh, the whole bit of that video is that a, a, a teacher soils himself during a class and he refuses to admit what he did wrong. I think a lot of that comes from what I've picked up from those guys and from those sort of characters we would play is that like, is, is someone who will, who surely any common sense, any person would know when they're wrong, but it's someone who maybe even knows it, but refuses to admit it. Um, and I, I really think that's the through line through a lot of my videos is you can see that in the newest stuff. You can see that in the oldest stuff is someone who is clearly wrong and they probably figured out that they're wrong but they're not going to back down and they're going to stick to it because they like they know that that's their role they would rather you know you know be kicking and screaming than than admit it um and then it, what what's it going to take to make them admit it um i also think i have a lot of fun with characters who are like villains uh historically like you know killers and stuff like that, kind of, you know, you're, you're scary, you're spookier types, um, just because those are really fun characters then to like make awkward and have fun. But yeah, I think a lot of that comes from, from those guys specifically in high school where we would, where we would reach a point where it's like, all right, let's like, let's have this fight just to have it. Like, let's, let's do the sport of this. Um, I would always, my, my thing that I always, always do is a great example of this is I would, um, be very bad at, uh, picking where I wanted to eat. Um, or I would uh, just be like a picky eater guy. And I'm sort of a picky eater, but like, I would play it up. Like, I'd be like, ah, we could go to this place, but it doesn't sound that good. And then we reach the point where it's like, oh, but do I really want to spend $7 on that? And it's like, it's asking so little, but it's like, we're having fun with it almost, you know? And I, I think I consciously was leaning into that. And I think, you know, guys like Jonah were leaning into uh, saying something so insanely like weird and standing by like, Oh, that's normal. Right. And, and, you know, or like, you know, those guys who would go like, Oh, I know I'm being an asshole right now, but no, I'm not. Fuck you. You know, I think those, those guys had a lot of influence on me. 
and my sense of humor. And I think that shows in my writing with these characters who are like, yeah, I'm not backing down. You're going to have to ask me to leave uh, because I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not walking out of here on my own choice. Uh, we're running a little bit short on time and there's one other topic that I wanted to cover. So you did a video for the Missouri census, I guess, was that last year? I, if you just want to kind of explain that process, how you got approached to do it, what that was like and what ended up happening from that. Yes. This process was super cool. It was super fun. Um, and I was very, very lucky. Um, the moral of the story is enter film festivals locally, do it. Um, especially locally. Don't try to enter a big one locally. Um, I entered a film festival called Como Shorts that our uh, professors told us to enter. And I entered uh, like 10 of my videos. There was no limit. So I entered all of them basically um, that I thought were good enough. And they took two of them and I was super lucky. And the coordinator of the event I was this really great guy and he loved two of my films and I showed up to a, uh, I was invited to a Q&A where I talked about them and it, it was fun. It didn't seem like too crazy. It just seemed like a really fun thing I got to do. And then uh, about two weeks later, he sends me an email and he asks me to have a meeting with him about a couple of projects we could potentially do. Um, and we kicked around some ideas. Um, there was a girl in town who was making a film and she needed actors and she wanted to talk to my actors. Um, there was a, uh, a guy who was trying to kick off some service and he wanted content for it. A lot of this stuff didn't go anywhere. Uh, most of it didn't. Um, but Matt had a, uh, Matt was the guy's name. He had a, an, an ad that he, um, was going to try to work with someone else on. It was something that was on his plate that he could pour all his effort into, or he could kind of invest into a smaller creator, get a cut as a producer and give me sort of that creative freedom. Um, and he took a chance on me and it was super cool. Um, and it was for the census was the ad. Um, so basically he gave me almost full creative freedom. Obviously there was stuff to avoid that I was kind of just keeping my common sense about. Um, but I sent him a script and uh, he wanted, he wanted a, a kind of idea where I could make a two minute version and a 30 second version. So uh, I sent him a script for both. Um, and he was like, oh, this is great. Here's a couple of notes. And we worked them out. And then uh, I made it and uh, I got paid and my uh, director of photography got paid. My sound guy got paid. Both my actors got paid and it, it was super great. I got a decent amount of money for it. Um, Cause I, you know, I wrote it and I edited it and it's actually a really great project. I think um, it's not on the channel, um, but you can find it. I think there's a link somewhere on Instagram or something, but it's, um, it's, it, it was a lot of fun and it all happened because I entered this festival and, a, and it was local and a local guy went, oh, I have work and that guy seems competent. Let's get him out here. Um, and Matt and I, and I have kept up that relationship. We've talked about other projects since. We've talked about potentially working together on a short of his or a short of mine. So it's, it's, a, it's really great to enter those festivals and to seriously go in with the like, idea of like, yeah, my, my DMs are open. My email is here. Uh, if you want to work together, let me know because I'm down. And then people will, they will reach out to you and they will be like, hey, here's my thing. What do you think of it? And just keep up those relationships because they're, they're so valuable. That's what this whole thing's about. You know, on a smaller scale, like that is what filmmaking is in Colombia, right? But like that's, it's going to follow you whether you're in LA or wherever. Like, enter these things, meet people, put yourself out there in a local sense and don't be afraid to like work with other people and to like do stuff like that because it, it's, it was awesome and I would love to do it again. Yeah, I mean, I like that, that moral that you take from it of just enter as much as possible, be as open as possible, get your work out as much as possible. But I think the thing I take from that story is the fact that you made that video with your distinct style. And I think one of the things that just I would love to see in the culture is more advertisements made by artists with creative freedom. Because I think people are so scared to give filmmakers their like the style they would make for a short that they care about to give them the freedom to make an ad about something. But I think it's been done successfully in the past. I mean, you are a very obvious example. Um, I don't know if you ever 
watch the work of like someone like Casey Neistat. Um, he's done like a couple ads with Nike, and he made it like his vlog style. And they're some of the most successful uh, videos that he's made. Um, and I'm sure it did Nike well. So I think looking at it from like the national scale to the local scale, I think those are two good examples of the fact that this can work. And obviously it's always going to be a risk when it's, you know, you're giving all that freedom away, but I would just love to see that more. And I'm glad that you are an example of that, that of a successful uh, version of that. Yeah. I think if you ever, and this is just advice to anyone, if you ever get approached by someone who says, Hey, I like your style. I want your work on something. Don't forget that first part. Cause that is so important. Uh, Matt came to me because he liked my comedy videos. So when he said, I want a census ad, I didn't consider doing like a, a very like, you know, sort of like stratcom style, like, you know, uh, you know, that kind of like royalty free music in the background and like crowds giving thumbs up. Like there was no consideration of that. I was like, okay, how can I make a like a Fox skit about the census? And actually I was super lucky that he came to me with that amount of creative freedom. If someone comes up to you and says they don't want you to have creative freedom, you should still work on it because it's a good idea and you make money. But if they come up to you and they say, we, we like what you do, how can you do it for us? Do it for them, but do it your way. Like try your best to inject as much of your style into that because they came to you for a reason. Or they, maybe they came to you because you like have a nice camera. And if they did that, have the self-awareness to know, you know, when they, what they're there for. But if they say, yeah, we, we love your comedy stylings, then you know, you have to make a funny ad and you should treat that like every other sketch you make. And I think that's like a skill in and of itself. And I know that you haven't done that since, but I think the ability to say like, yes, this is branded, but it's still my style. So if I'm making an ad about uh, some random new coffee, how can I make a Like a Fox video about coffee, about this specific brand? I think that's a, a skill that's worth learning because I think, I don't know, I, I think with all the Stratcom and kind of advertising major people with those majors coming out of college, they are just taught that like normal thing with the royalty-free music and you know, everyone's smiling, everyone's happy, but I don't think that's what grips people's attention anymore. Yeah. You have to, you have to be outside the box. Uh, it's also good to know, like to have examples of what you, you know, like I, I've, you know, I've, there's a lot of funny commercials, which is fortunate for me. If I was a super like artsy guy, then maybe making an artsy commercial would have been hard. But, but for me, I was like, yeah, there's, there's a wealth of, of this genre of like, a commercial that is a funny 30 second skit basically and it's like learn from those watch your examples figure out how they do it figure out how quickly they get you on board with something like because that's that that that's going to teach you a lot too is just to whatever job you have like do your do some research like don't don't ever think you're above it because i i'm certainly not yeah, yeah. well michael it's been a really good talk um i'm Again, thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad this was the first episode. I think I, I'm really excited to just put it out there. I'm glad I could be like the champagne bottle moment yeah. for this podcast. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan. <laughs> this has been Purple Elephant Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next week.